Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of From Normandy, 1944, to the world today. Brace yourself for what is coming. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, anyone who knows me personally, or those of you who don't but have been listening to me, know that you don't know quite what to expect from me. Sometimes I'll put out an episode that's more comical than anything else, and and many times things that are deadly serious. Sometimes I get angry, sometimes I'm happy and laughing, sometimes I'm just speaking in a normal way. I throw in little jokes, I throw in sarcastic remarks, hey, I'm human. And it's wonderful to be human, I think. But one lack I'm seeing in human beings today is lack of clear thinking and lack of any depth in thinking and lack of, I don't know what you should call it, intuition or uh, lack of powers of observation. Now, let me say, I've said this before, I'll say it again. On November 4th, 2020, the day after the American presidential election, I was very somber. I was very serious. When asked by my wife, what's the matter? I said, what happened now practically means war. Because it was so obvious to me that election was stolen. And I won't go into the reasons where I've talked about that before. Uh, And you know, it doesn't even matter if it was stolen or not. What you say? Am I trying to take back what I said? No. All the so much evidence there that the election was stolen. I'm not going to go into that again. But let's assume it wasn't stolen. Because that's not really, in a sense, it's not really the main thing. The main thing is that half the country believes that it was. You see what I mean? Human beings are such that it's not so much the truth that creates revolutions and wars. It's what people believe. Religious wars are a perfect example Uh, Which one should we go back to? How about those in France in the 16th century? France was a Catholic country, but they had some Protestants there, but then they decided to turn on the Protestants and kill a bunch of them. And the Protestants where they were ruling, like in Switzerland, they weren't much more tolerant either. Uh, And, you know, both sides, if you look at what they really believed, both sides were really almost certainly wrong. But that didn't matter. What mattered was that one side believed one thing and one side believed something else. So even if you think the election was fair and square. If you think that, you're either a fool or you haven't really studied the situation. But nonetheless, even if you were right, the situation is very dangerous indeed when you have the entire country split down such a line. We are in a war now, my friends. You say, what? You mean Ukraine? No, I don't mean Ukraine and Russia. I don't mean that. Yeah, that war is going on. No, I mean wherever you are now in the world. I'm sitting here near Tokyo, and life seems peaceful. Others I know are sitting there peacefully in in Spain, 
hello to all my Spanish friends there. And you think, oh, well, life is not like it was a few years ago, but it'll get back to the way it was. Let me tell you this. It will never get back to the way it was. It will never get back to the way it was. I knew that on November 4th, 2020. Because I saw that what's going to happen now is going to be, and the biggest things haven't even happened yet. Oh, you've noticed some things like the war in Ukraine, like people threatening Russia and saying, yes, we should stop that Putin. And, you know, you know, the they have more nuclear weapons than, than China and some are more advanced than the ones America has. You really want a nuclear war because of Ukraine? Do you know what that means? A nuclear, a worldwide nuclear war? You know what that means? That means death for almost all of us. And for those who are alive, we'll be wishing we're dead. Because And you really want to do that because of Ukraine? Do you know anything about Ukraine? You know the great corruption there? Do you know anything about that? What's been going on these the last decade or so in Ukraine? I'll bet you probably don't know if, you're all, if, you, if you sanctify uh, the Ukrainians and, and demonize the Russians. You don't know what's going on there. But I won't get into details there either. Because once again, it doesn't matter. What matters is the world's divided. They talk about China and Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi visits Taiwan and the Chinese are threatening, my God, could this be nuclear war? Have you noticed this? All these people, and some people are talking like with Russia, yes, we have to take down Putin no matter what the price. Oh, they're willing to put us in nuclear war. And you want to go along with that? You want to go along with that, really? But as if that weren't bad enough, then there's the vaccine genocide. And yes, I said genocide. I've talked about this, frankly, in every episode I mention it. Because this is the greatest crime against humanity ever committed. More and more people are realizing it. Many more now than a year ago. A year ago when I said things like that on Facebook, Facebook threatened to take down my, my, my page. Uh, people would say, oh, you must be a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. But nobody wanted to debate me, interestingly. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Nobody wanted to debate me. And now when I put up something suggesting what's going on, Facebook might give me some kind of warning, but the people don't attack me. Oh, so they're starting to wake up, I guess. And I wasn't the one that made up this idea of genocide. No, there were doctors, some world-renowned, who saw the truth and had the courage to speak up. But now, why is the title of this From Normandy 1944 to the World Today? Brace yourself for what is coming. Let me tell you a little story. You probably know something about this. You've seen movies and everything. I don't know, Saving Private Ryan or such things. Or Band of Brothers, that, that, that's an excellent World War II, a series of movies, I think it's six parts or whatever. Excellent, Band of Brothers. Talks about the storming of the beach in Normandy. Well, as you will recall, <laughs> not many of you recall this, I don't either. It was, it was uh, what, 11 years before I was born, 11 and a half years. That's not so long, is it? <laughs> it was beginning of June 1944. The invasion was coming to somewhere in the shores of maybe Belgium, probably France. What was the situation for those of you who don't like to read history? I always recommend reading history because people today, individuals or the masses, they make the same mistakes they're making a thousand, two thousand years ago. You know history and you know what to expect from humanity. Sad but true. I give you many examples of that, but let's concentrate on Normandy. What was the situation? We were in World War II. The Allies were frankly winning. Why? Well, because we had air superiority. The Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, the beginning was really strong. We had knocked out a lot of them. We knew, though, that just by bombing, even carpet bombing, bombing entire cities, 
uh, in Germany, we weren't going to win the war. We weren't going to win the war that way. Uh, we didn't win the war in Vietnam that way. We didn't win it at all because we weren't willing to do what it would take to win that war. Through bombing alone, you can't win unless you totally nuke the place before the other side does it to you. But at that point, we didn't have the nuclear weapon. And I don't think we will use them in Germany anyway. I think using them in Japan was a bit of a racist thing. I don't think we would have used them in Germany unless really absolutely necessary. So what was the situation? The Allies, the English, the, the, the Americans, the Canadians, Australians, you had free Frenchmen you know, that escaped to England. They were forming their great armies over there in the countryside in England. Some were near cities like London or other cities, but some were practically nowhere. The Germans knew this because they had, uh, well, intel, of course, from their spies and from an occasional spy plane to get through. They knew what was going on, right? But now let's get personal. It, it always affects you more. Imagine you see a movie about a war, you see whole cities being bombed, you think, oh, that was terrible. But then you see a movie about, say, one young child who lived through the war, and then you start crying because it's an individual. could even be an adult, but you can identify with that person. Let's think of some poor soldier, a German soldier, let's say. Now, where were tens of thousands of Germans? Well, many, many, many were fighting in Russia, of course, then, right? Many were fighting in Italy, of course. Uh, and, and what North Africa, they have been fighting. We had different invasions, the so-called D-Day invasion in Normandy. That was in June 44, but uh, on November 8, 1942, we attacked North Africa, and there was some fighting. It was then Sicily, it was uh, mainland Italy, it was south of France. The big one was, of course, June 6, 1944. Okay. And they talk so much about the Allied soldiers, people like an uncle of mine who was with those soldiers there, and he was preparing also for, for the invasion. They didn't know when it was going to be. That was top, top secret, of course. Nobody was allowed to know when that was going to be. But of course, the Germans, their situation was different there. Now, they were very well dug in along all the coast of France and Belgium as well. Why? Well, interesting situation here. They knew a huge invasion was coming. They knew that. Their spies told them that. Aerial reconnaissance showed them that. But in addition, they knew the Allies couldn't win unless they attacked. So they knew it if only for, uh, for reasoning. Interesting, because I always say in the Path of Socrates, there are two tools you should use. One is evidence. The other is clear thinking reasoning. You see how that works? The Germans had evidence of invasion. They knew how many American ships were going to England with full, filled with troops. They could have a, a, an occasional plane, get some photos from there. Oh, my God, look at all those Americans and all those soldiers they're preparing in England. Uh, so they, they had evidence the invasion was coming. But also, just if, even if they had, had the evidence, they thought, well, they can't beat us, they don't invade, so they're going to invade. That's the reasoning part. You see, my two tools there for reasoning are always good. You can always use them. And you can get closer to the truth by doing so. But now let's consider the average German soldier. You know, all the Germans weren't Nazis. They were fighting for the Nazis, but many of them weren't members of the Nazi party. Some Germans didn't even like the Nazis or Hitler.
but they're still they're fighting. Why? Well, because they had no volunteer army. You know, you got to a certain age and you had to be in the military. The draft, right? On those shores of France, you had many people, many soldiers who weren't even Germans. They're from, for example, Hungary. Hungary was an ally of Germany. Many Hungarians didn't. They hated the Russians, the, the Soviets, I should say, and they hated the Nazis. But they had to go and, and, and serve in the military. And you had people from other nationalities that were being forced to serve there. But let's take a typical German soldier. We'll call him Hans, typical German name, right? And Hans is there. He was never a member of the Nazi party because many weren't. And I'm not trying to beautify the Germans or excuse them, but I know many weren't members of the party. But he thought, well, I have to defend my country. And, you know, right or wrong, it's my country. Remember when American conservatives used to say that. America, right or wrong, it's still America, you know? Well, yeah, if your country's wrong, then, then you're aiding evil, aren't you now, by supporting your country? That's another question. Get into it another time. But here's Hans sitting maybe in one of those bunkers where they had these uh, overground bunkers, these installations with just a little slit there for their machine guns to peek out, right? Uh, and they were patrolling back and forth. They had all kinds of uh, hindrances, obstacles. Hitler had uh, transferred General Erwin Rommel, the famous desert fox from North Africa to France to oversee the fortification of the whole coastline. For Germans, this was a problem because the French coastline is pretty big. If you knew they're going to attack with an area of five miles, okay, you concentrate all your armies there and you just push them back into the sea when they attack. But if it's over hundreds and hundreds of miles, well, gee, now, that's a different story. Where do you send your panzer division, you know, your tank divisions? Where do you send them mainly? How do you know where they're going to land? Now, for poor Hun, say he's, I don't know, 21 years old. And, you know, maybe at first he kind of liked Hitler. You know, you get caught up in the national thing because, you know, he started school when he was still in his young teens. Now it's 1944. Like, now it's, say, 10, 11 years later. Right. So he he started school when he was maybe 10 years old when Hitler came to power, for example. Right. And he got all the Nazi propaganda through his school years. But now he's been a soldier for a few years and he thinks, oh, gee, uh, this isn't going any good direction. A lot of Germans realize that, that there's no way they could win, but they had to do their duty. So he's sitting there in one of those bunkers. What was the situation? Well, imagine boredom. You know, people think of military matters and they think it's always, you know, fighting. No, most it's just waiting and being bored and living under uncomfortable conditions. Well, at least they get into those, you know, cement bunkers when it's raining and bad weather. And I guess they had little heaters in there or whatever, make a little campfire. And they had their rations. They weren't starving to death. And so after being there for months, because they were there for months, of course, the German high command didn't know when the invasion was coming. And so you had to fortify the beach, put up all these obstacles, have all these bunkers on the cliffs and everything, fortified as much as you possibly could. But all these soldiers are there waiting day in, day out, day in, day out. Now, you get used to it, right? I'm sure they were there joking with their friends, talking about women they knew and, and playing cards and maybe going out for an occasional football, you know, soccer match or whatever. I'm sure they did things like that, too, in their free time. However, they knew that things weren't going to remain like that. They knew that the day was going to come when suddenly all hell would break loose. Now you think about that. Put this on pause and think about this for a moment. Imagine 
use your imagination. Imagine if you're one of those German soldiers there. And even if you were a fanatical Nazi, nonetheless, the thought of you being on the front line when a huge invasion comes, it's not, you don't, you don't want to have to experience that. If you're a German patriot, you think, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice my life for Hitler if you're that foolish. But most of them weren't thinking like that, especially the foreign troops, right? They were thinking, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to surrender as soon as I can, right? But the Germans would think, well, we don't want the Americans to attack our homeland. So we might fight to the death. But as I said, they were getting used to living day-by-day -day basis, joking around with their friends, maybe doing some drills, checking the obstacles, helping put up more obstacles, etc., etc., checking their ammunition, cleaning their guns, because you don't want your guns to malfunction when, when things really get hot, right? But the whole time, all those months, they knew sooner or later, the gates of hell are going to open up and life's going to be quite different. You think about that. You just think about that for a moment. Now, my title is From Normandy 1944 to the World Today. I'm going to draw an exact parallel. Notice the second part of the title, Brace Yourself for What is Coming. Let me tell you, my friends, so many people here... No, let's go back to Hans first in the bunker. Imagine one of those German soldiers, a really superficial fool. He gets used to living there in the bunker. Well, it's not so bad. If it rains, we have a roof over my head. Just get into the bunker and we can play cards. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, at least we're not in the Russian front, right? Nobody wants to be there. Believe me, things were really, really, really bad there for the Germans and for the Russians as well. But, hey, we can just sit here and chat and, you know, we have to do some work, so what? But hey, there are no battles now. Everything's fine. Imagine if Hans were a real fool. And he got used to that and he was totally happy, content, and he thought, oh, well, you know, just, just wait till things get better. How stupid would he have to be? Oh, <laughs> believe me, if I had any faith in the common sense and clear thinking of the masses before this, I've lost it all now. <laughs> but I didn't have much even before. But I'm, I'm sure back then even, there were some people like maybe a stupid Hans, Call him, I don't know, Jürgen. <laughs> Give him another name. I'm sure there's some Jürgen there who thought, oh, well, things aren't so bad. Soon enough, they'll make some kind of a treaty, and then we can just go home and we won't have to fight at all. <laughs> Think again, Jürgen. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I would have been Hans there saying, no, Jürgen, you know, I don't think it's going to work out like that because from what I've seen of Hitler, he's not the type to give in. <laughs> he's not the type to just give up and say, okay, let's make a treaty and I'll give back Czechoslovakia and, uh, and you know, Austria can be separate from Germany again. And Poland, yes, I'll give up Poland. No, I would say, as Hans, I would say, he's not going to do that. That means we better be prepared here, Jürgen. Ah, oh, what are you talking about? But no, things aren't so bad. Look, we're playing cards, aren't we? Jürgen says to me then. Look, David. Well, you can say that in German too, right? Maybe I'm not Hans, I'm a David there. I wouldn't want to be a David in Nazi Germany because that's also a Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but you know, back then they might say, David, are you a Jew? Well, anyway, so maybe I should call myself Hans <laughs> if I put myself back in German-occupied territory in 1944. He would say, no, but look, for months now, we've just been sitting here. Everything's so peaceful. What makes you think all hell's going to break loose? That could be the fool. Well, let me tell you people, they're fools just like Jürgen today. They're all over the place. They're all over the streets. People actually think, who actually think, then we're going to go back to the way it was a few years ago. Oh, COVID will disappear then, or something will happen. or the, Oh, we'll get the booster that really solves every problem in the world. And they think that this is going to go back. No, no it's not. 
I'm telling you, the situation today is much like the situation of those Germans in those fortifications on the beaches along all of the coast of France in 1944. Brace yourself because big things are coming. Now, in the case of the Germans, let's say the German, the German strategists, the analysts, they weren't fools. They knew an invasion was coming. Right? They, they knew it was going to come. But they didn't know when. They didn't know just when. And they didn't know where. Right? The how they knew. It's going to be a huge invasion. No doubt it's going to be boats and planes and everything to get through them. They, they knew that, right? Let's compare that to today's situation. I can tell you, huge things are coming. Very tremendously huge things that, uh, that will knock you off your feet. <laughs> Hopefully only metaphorically, but possibly even physically. Big things are coming. I can't tell you just when, but I can tell you with almost certainty they're coming. Now, when I say almost certainty, you know, I, I never say 100%. Even in the beach of Normandy, there is always the possibility, for example, that somebody would manage to assassinate Hitler. There were over 40 attempts on his life. Nobody succeeded. But at least for Hans in the bunker, he might think, well, this Hitler's not going to give in, but maybe some general put a bullet in his head, which was hard to do because anybody who saw Hitler was checked out, you know, by the SS. They couldn't have any guns. You know, he was highly protected. Uh, but imagine somebody managed to kill him, but then the German generals almost certainly would have sued for peace. And so then Hans could have gone home peacefully. Even then that was a possibility, but it was not a high probability. So I would have said then, as Hans, I would have said almost certainly there's going to be a big invasion. And today I'm telling you almost certainly huge, scary things are going to come. I can't tell you just when. I can tell you they're getting closer and closer. I can't tell you just where. Let's compare that to Normandy. The Germans didn't know where. There's an interesting movie, maybe you've seen it, The Man Who Never Was. Very interesting. I think I might have talked about it on another occasion. It's about psyops and what you do to fool the enemy. The Allies had plans to fool Hitler into thinking they were going to attack in Calais, to the north of Normandy. So Hitler would put most of his defenses there. Really, they were planning for the beaches of Normandy. It could have been south of Normandy, too. The Germans didn't know. They could only guess. But they knew more or less. That they did know. It was going to be the beach of France, maybe Belgium, right? They knew it was going to be up in that area, somewhere or another. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of miles here. And so they didn't know, where do we put our main defenses? Our strongest, say, SS tank divisions, where exactly do we placed them. Meanwhile, the Allies were doing everything they could to try to fool them with fake radio broadcasts, you know, whatever, and, and plans much more sophisticated than that. So they didn't know where it was going to happen. They didn't know when, but they knew it was going to happen, and they knew how it was going to happen. Massive force. Today, many things have already happened. I guess you've noticed that already. Many things have already happened. Just as then, just the fact that Hans was there in a bunker means that something had happened. Why wasn't this German guy back in his city, you know, in München or Kassel or wherever? Why was he in a bunker in the beach of France? Well, because there's a war. So, yeah, things had already happened there, too. Even for him, and let me tell you, there's some soldiers that were in France. Until June 44, they didn't experience much of the war. Maybe I told the story before. I'll tell it again anyway. The father of a good friend of mine in Germany, her father said one time, unfortunately in the presence of his wife as well, 
my friend's mother, said, you know, the war years are the best years of my life. I said, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I was much younger than what was back in the 80s. He was already an old guy. He said, yeah, my unit was sent to France when Hitler took over France in June of 44. We had to occupy France. So we were in a little town. We got along with the French people. There were no battles there. Every day we went to French restaurants, ate French bread and the French cheese, drank French wines. I had a beautiful French girlfriend. Oh, I was so in love with her. His wife is sitting there next to him. She didn't look very pleased. <laughs> but he was reminiscing, as old folks like to do. Hey, tell me about it. <laughs> and uh, he was reminiscing about that, saying, yeah, those years were really the best in my life. Living in France, I learned a whole bunch of French. And I had fine French wines. It was a peaceful little town. Had a nice French girlfriend. Oh, what? Oh, they were the best years of my life. He said, until you people attacked. And then he laughed. He said, when Americans said, oh, then things got, oh, then they got really different. Then we had to leave the town. And then we're out, you know, fighting the Americans. And the planes were destroying us. And we had to move back into Germany. Oh, then things got really bad. Right? So we compare the situation of Beach of Normandy to this guy's situation in a little town in France. Now, Things are, in a sense, worse now because, you know, inflation prices are going up and, and people are being killed by vaccines and people are getting more and more cancer because of the, their immune systems are being destroyed by the vaccines. Hey, uh, download the PDF at the end of the description of this podcast episode and listen to some of these doctors that will explain everything to you, what's going on. Don't believe the mainstream media. They're lying to you. Only now they're saying, well... We knew the vaccines weren't really going to work. I've actually heard them say that. Now they're trying to take the story back and say, well, we, we just made a mistake. No, they weren't making a mistake. This is a genocidal plan, and millions more are going to die of this. But I'm not going to go into that too deeply. Uh, things are already pretty bad now. But this guy was living it up in France. Hey, sure, there was French resistance. I don't, he didn't talk about that. Maybe in his town the resistance didn't do too much. You know, they try to shoot an occasional German. If that happened, what the Germans do? You shoot one German and the Germans take 10 or 20 townspeople and they shoot them. So the resistance knows, hey, if we kill one Nazi soldier, they're going to kill 20 of our relatives and, and friends. <laughs> I really admire the French resistance for their courage and for their determination and for all the help they, they gave the Allied cause. Uh, I'm going to be talking about them in the future, comparing them to some people today. And comparing to them to those people today who aren't doing anything, even though they know what's going on. But that's another topic. So today, we see things are getting bad. We see people crossing the border of America, more, more chaos in America, and more hatred than, than since the American Civil War. We see the situations deteriorating so much. But still people seem to think, well, yeah, but maybe some things will change and things will get back to where were before. Forget it. Highly unlikely. I'm not saying impossible, but highly unlikely. Just as poor Hans and Jürgen were there in the bunkers, and at least Hans knew something big and bad is coming. Let me tell you people, things that are big and bad are coming. They're getting closer and closer. I thought it would have broken out before this. Well, okay, we have the war in the Ukraine. That's big and bad enough, isn't it? Well, not quite, because your country isn't getting bombed. But between, believe me, between... That war going on and many people getting killed and bombed and say Germany getting, the Germans getting killed and bombed, there's really not much difference. If the Germans pushed it against Russia, pushing for war against Russia, hey, Russia will give them a war and they'll wipe them out. They'll wipe the Germans out. Is that what Germany wants? Well, no. Now they do want to maybe buy gas from Russia. Yeah. 
in other words, as woke as they may be and as deep state influenced as they may be, they don't want to get nuked. Yeah. And the same in France, and I'm sure the same in Spain. But if Europe thinks that it's going to beat the Russians, <laughs> good luck with that. Because their defense system is what best in the world, and the number of nukes they have, it's, it's, I don't know if they have as many as America, but some of, the, some of the weapons they have are more advanced than what the Americans have. And there's some weapons they have we don't even know about, just like the Americans have, these secret weapons that you always have in war. Say, they had in World War, World war II as well. Like when, when Hitler surprised the English with these uh, V1 and V2 rockets, these missiles that went to England, suddenly, oh my God, they're not sending planes over to bomb, they're sending these, these rockets. So that was new back then, right? Up until then, a secret technology. The things they have in store for us, that is the evil ones today, I don't know what they all are, but, but from just what I've heard, these are things that are unbelievably bad. And let me tell you, the evil ones, I'll just call them that because believe me, they're evil. That is the New World Order people, they're not going to give up without a big, big fight. Because if they give up in their plan to take over the world, and that's what this was, the evidence, for me, was so clear from the beginning. Many people are blind to this. But I think more and more evidence has come out when they talk more and more about how uh, they're, st they're still pushing the climate change thing. As if that's the greatest danger in the world today? Really? Really? No, that's just to get their sheep in line so we keep, so others keep obeying them. I don't obey them whatsoever, but just so they keep obeying. What's going to happen? I can't tell you exactly. Where it's going to break out first? I mean, the really, really big things, I don't know. The Germans at least knew what's going to happen. It's going to be the big invasion. I don't know what it's actually going to be. But the huge things are coming. I can tell you they are. I don't know just when, but we're getting close. It could happen at any time. It could start out with the world economic crash. You think, oh my God, I better get my money out of the bank. You go there, you can't get your money out. The banks have closed like in 1929. We're so close to that because the money is not there. Because of the fractional banking system, most of it never was there. The banks lend out much more money than they have. And so if, if a certain percentage of people, if just 40% of the people try to take out all the money, the banks collapse, there is no money there, and then nobody gets their money. So if you have 5,000 euros or dollars in the bank, that's gone. Let that sink in for a moment. Those of us who study history know these things have happened again and again and again in different countries, right? But those who don't study history think, oh, that could never happen. Oh, no, things can't get that bad. And about the evil ones doing this, well, Klaus Schwab, he's probably not such a bad person. Uh, yeah, and he talks about the climate so important. Well, I agree with that, so I guess he's a good person. That's how stupid people are. Sorry, I have to use that word stupid again. People, let me tell you, we are like the Germans on those beaches of Normandy. Bad, big bad things are coming. The gates of hell are going to open up. That could come mainly psychologically, and I hope so. What will that look like? Well, I will tell you what that's going to look like. Revelations are going to be made about things in the past. May I make some predictions? Here's one that most people already know. John F. Kennedy was not assassinated by one lone gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald. And I don't care if there are a thousand books that say that's the story. There are at least a thousand books to say that it wasn't a story. I reached my own conclusion. Even as a kid, I thought there's something fishy here. 
But I, I don't know, I, being an alien child, I guess, reptilian alien, if you, <laughs> if you haven't heard it yet, I did or will soon put up another podcast episode about that. Well, I think I put it up the other day, yeah. So you hear that. Uh, maybe I just have special powers of, of observance. I don't know. But even as a kid, I thought, that's, that's a kind of funny story the government's telling us. Let me tell you, Kennedy wasn't killed by one lone gunman, but still some people are saying that. Why are they saying that? Why are even some famous writers writing that? Because they're paid off by the deep state. Because the deep state that really killed Kennedy, what Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, a month before he left office, called the military-industrial complex. Look up that speech. It's on YouTube. Look up that speech. He was warning us about the power of the military-industrial complex. Now it's the military industrial, political, pharmaceutical, economic complex. Now it's much bigger and badder than it ever was. I can guarantee you that. And they're coming for you. <laughs> they're coming for you and for me. They're coming for humanity because they want to shape humanity, their image. All the evidence is there. They said for years, yes, in the future, we can inject this into you and then you can have a better memory. And then, you know, you, uh, uh, you're you not bothered by religious thoughts. They even have something for that, you know. I'm not making it up. Uh, what they said was, there's a talk, it looks like Bill Gates talking to the Pentagon like in 2005, saying, yes, we have something that in the future, these fanatical Islamists with their religion, we can take that away from them so they're not fanatical. In other words, it's not just taking away fanaticism, it's taking away your connection to the intuitive spiritual sources. You think about that for a moment. But these people are materialist atheists. I'm going to give many more talks on atheistic materialism. Now, I know you out there, but some of you out there think, well, that's kind of philosophy. It doesn't interest me. Wake up, sheep. Wake up. I've said for a long, I've said for most of my life, many people think philosophy is not important. The thing's not, what is philosophy? From the word, there's the philo part and the sophia, it means the love of wisdom. Wouldn't you like to be a wise person? I don't mean intelligent. I've known people with high IQs and total fools. You can be very intelligent, be totally foolish, and ruin your life because you're foolish. I mean a wise person. Wouldn't you like to be a wise person? The love of wisdom doesn't mean you have it already, but you're seeking wisdom. Isn't that a good thing to seek? I would say it's a pretty good thing to seek. So, shouldn't that be one of your goals? Do you really think it's a good idea to let people that you don't know, hey, the medical pharmaceutical industry, in cahoots with Bill Gates, inject things into you or do things to your, put something under your skin that's going to influence you some way? Do you really think that's a good idea? Do you really think these people are saints that want to help you? Really? If so, you haven't even been saying the pharmaceutical industry in past decades, because I can tell you they've committed terrible crimes. Why do you think Pfizer had to pay a fine of billions of dollars a number of years ago for fooling the public uh, on, on how many occasions they've done tests that have killed people? For example, usually in India or Africa, where it's kind of off the board, where the, the laws there can't get them as much because they bribe the officials. These people have been criminals for decades. Let me ask you this. I'm going to do a, a, a podcast episode about just this. Imagine this. And you think about this, too. I want you to think about what I'm going to say. Imagine this. Superior aliens from another planet suddenly contact the heads of all the pharmaceutical, ind 
pharmaceutical industry, like Borla, that CEO of Pfizer, and all the others, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, and they call a meeting with them. I think these CEOs know that the aliens exist, but even if they don't know, well, it's just a matter, it's a, if it's a thought experiment, right? It's a little fun game we're going to play now. Imagine, they call a meeting of all the heads of pharmaceutical industry, and the aliens come down and say, we have a special machine here, some kind of, it just looks like a black box to all these heads of the pharmaceutical industry. And they say, you know, say the aliens, we've been looking in on your TV commercials and these are kind of dumb aliens, let's say. They have high technology for medicine, but they're kind of dumb aliens. They say, we've been following you in the pharmaceutical industry and all of a sudden, all the CEOs are scared. Oh, you've been following us? Uh, uh, really? Uh, well, maybe, well, I have to go visit my mother. We should end this meeting. And they say, what are you so nervous about? We, we just want to say, say the aliens, we've been following you and we, you know, just by watching your TV commercials. And then the CEOs, they relax and they say, oh, okay, that's fine. And it seems to us that you're good people. You want to help humanity because the TV commercials always give us that impression. And so then Borla and the other criminals at the head of the pharma industry say, oh, okay, well, what's that black box there, alien friend? Well, this is something really special. What's that? Well, see, you see this, this black box here. It's about, oh, I don't know, two and a half feet in diameter in, in its dimensions, right, square. And you push the button there, and then you see this opening here. Then a cup comes out of a special medicine. And Borla of Pfizer says, what is that medicine? Well, this it will cure anything. Huh? They all say. They, in the industry, they're open mouth. They say, what? Cure anything? Yes. And by the way, it's made of certain naturally occurring elements on the earth. You can cure anything with this. And we're willing to give you this. What? You're willing to give us this? Yes. You can give us this and you can reproduce the machine. And the machine's cheap to make too. So every family in the world can have one of these. So no matter what sickness they get, they push the button and all these, these heads of the industry say, wow, that's really cool. Now let me ask you this. If the aliens then say, okay, all you have to do, if you want this technology, is sign here in the dotted line. And they look at the conditions and the conditions are just the aliens plain, no hidden clauses. Do you think they're going to sign a dotted line and get that machine? Do you think they're going to want that? In other words, do you think the heads of the pharmaceutical industry are going to do anything to help everybody in the world get healthy so they lose billions a year? This is a, a test of your naivety. If you say, well, of course they would because they want the best for us, then believe me, my friend, you're stupid. Of course they're not. They say, well, can't you give us this without us signing this? No, no, you have to sign. But yes, but they say, no, but there's a line here that says, if we take it and we don't give it to the people, you're going to kill us. That's right, say the aliens. If you don't give it to the people, we're going to kill us. Well, no, we prefer not to sign it. Goodbye, get out of here. That's what they're going to say. See what I mean? In other words, if you trust the pharmaceutical industry, you're a total fool. Of course, they make a lot of medicines that help people. Because if they didn't, I mean, they wouldn't have any industry. Of course, they do. But the things they make that even obviously harm people and much stronger the things that they hide from us that could help people, but they don't want to be known, this is going to come out in the future. This is going to be one of those things, notice the title here, Brace Yourself for What Is Coming. Revelations are going to be made. They're already being made about certain things more than ever in these past few years. But more things are going to be revealed. Simple substances that can cure even things like cancer. It will be 
these things will be better known. By the way, about cancer, look at the link in the description, A Rational Approach to Cancer Treatment by yours truly, David Bolden. Click that and read that and look at the evidence I present you there for some of the crimes of the so-called cancer industry. But all the signs are, I don't want to just worry you today, the signs are that the good guys are, albeit gradually, winning this war because we are in a war. I said it before, I'll say it again, it's a war like Chinese analysts predicted 25 years ago, a war that's mainly cyber warfare. It's political warfare, propaganda warfare, economic warfare, virus warfare, and bio-warfare. And we have all of those today. Think about it. We have all of those in these last couple of years. But it's not kinetic yet. It is in the Ukraine. I mean, you're real open warfare. But it could go to that level at any time. I think the alliance, that is, the white hats, the good guys, are working so that that doesn't happen. That's why it's taking so long. On the other hand, the signs are that the good side is going to win. Nonetheless, brace yourself for what is coming. Because just like our German soldier Hans in one of those bunkers on the beach of, of, of Normandy, just as he knew sooner or later all hell was going to break loose, let me tell you, all hell is going to break loose here and now. I don't know where it's going to start in the world. I don't know if it's going to affect the entire world. It could. Because let me tell you, if those are responsible for this genocide, if they see they're losing and they say, oh my God, they're going to put us on trial, they're going to execute us for crimes against humanity, they will do anything to avoid that. What does that mean? Well, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, there are entire little cities underground. No, this is not some weird conspiracy theory. This since the since the advent of the nuclear bomb. The thinking was, in case you, have, in case you haven't gotten into these things, Imagine when the nuclear era started, nuclear bombs, governments like Russia, America thought, if a nuclear war breaks out, everybody's dead in the world. It could be everybody's killed. So a certain percentage of the world has to be saved. So they started building underground bunkers, insulations, and some of these turned into entire cities. This explains why in America, for example, by the late 90s, over $20 trillion disappeared. Oh, Donald Rumsfeld announced $2.3 trillion. But one analyst who was studying that said, no, it was at least 20 trillion disappeared from, from government funds. What happened to that? Well, in part, they were building underground cities so that if all hell breaks loose, the elite can save themselves. So that humanity may continue. Of course, the humanity that they select, which is going to be 0.001% of the population, and all the rest of us are dead. But let me tell you, even if nuclear war doesn't break out, if the elite, they call themselves the elite, you know, these people. When they have their meetings, they, they call themselves the elite, these New World Order people. And then there's, there's one woman of the elite who was saying to other elitists there, saying, you know, the good news is that we elitists get along better than ever before. The bad news is the general population, they just don't seem to like us much. I wonder why. Well, maybe, lady, because you call yourselves the elite. See, that's how distant these people are from, from normal people. They can't understand why people don't like them, but there they are calling themselves the elite. Well, gee, I mean, very intelligent people among the elite. But believe me, these people are so out of touch with normal humanity that you just wouldn't believe it until you get into it. But these, I'll call them demons now, even though I don't believe in demons, these evil ones, demons, if they see 
that the clock has run out for them and they're going to be captured, executed, they will do anything to avoid it. What And my technique for knowing what might be coming is think, okay, if I were one of the evil ones, what would I do? What would I do? I would say, okay, fight back, fight back with the media, maybe release some other sickness, terrify people into following us like they did with COVID stupidly, terrify people, terrify people, push more vaccines so more people die, do whatever you can. But if that doesn't work, I would think, okay, now we're going to go nuclear or we're going to release five real bad sicknesses. I don't mean COVID. I mean like smallpox. I mean things that they've invented that would kill 99% of the population. We're going to release that. But just before we do, we're going to go into our secret bunkers and cities. We might have to live there for 20 years, but it's better than getting executed. They would do something like that because these people want to survive. Most of them are materialist atheists. For an atheist, there is no afterlife. They're not thinking, well, we better not kill most people in the world because we might go to hell. They don't, I don't, well, personally, I don't believe in hell either, but I'm not an atheist. But they're not thinking, well, then I have to reincarnate again. Without, they don't think that. They think, hey, the main thing is I survive and we elite, we survive. If they have to kill 99% of the world to do that, they will do that. So once again, brace yourself for what is coming. That's the worst case scenario. But even in the best case scenario, we're going to see some really scary things. We are now, like Hans, the German soldier, in his bunker, peaceful, playing cards with his friends month after month after month. But you know how that story ended, right? Beginning of June 44, the, high, the Allied High Command, Eisenhower was the head there, right? They were planning the invasion on June the 5th, but the weather is too bad. So then they would have to maybe push it off at least a month, and that wouldn't be good. But they said, well, tomorrow the weather's not too bad. So the, the plan was then June the 6th. And suddenly all those hundreds of thousands of soldiers got the call, moved towards the ships. You know, they had done that before. But just so Germans would think, well, maybe the invasion's coming, but then it didn't come. And so soldiers, some were probably joking, ah, oh, this could be another fake. We're not really going to go out on those boats to Normandy. Surprise, surprise. They didn't even know it was Normandy, by the way. But they got in the boats, and then they were on that little journey over the sea, over that short stretch there, right, to Normandy. And they knew too, my God, now we're entering into the jaws of hell. And when the Germans looked out, when Hans looked out of that, that slit they have in those concrete bunkers, you've seen them in films, what was the sight that presented, uh, presented, was presented to him? The Allies had thousands of ships, boats, you name it, thousands. And very soon, even before they could see them, they were getting bombed to hell by the artillery of, of, of the Navy. Unfortunately for the Allies, most of that artillery didn't even hit a lot of the bunkers. <laughs> they went behind the lines because they were trying to avoid hitting the beaches You know, when the, their own soldiers landed, so they were aiming a little too far. So maybe Hans was still in his bunker and intact, but you have all these artillery shells going over your head. And you look out and you see the entire sea covered by ships filled with soldiers that are coming after you. Uh, that's a scary thought. Well, let me tell you, people. Right now, our situation should be every bit as scary as that. But we can't, the average person can't see the ships coming yet. And the average person doesn't even know they are coming. That's the metaphor of the day, right? They don't even know they are coming. But let me tell you, big things are coming. Hopefully it'll just be on the psychological level, but that's you know bad enough as it is. Big revelations. What happened in the Kennedy assassination? About the moon landing, about 9-11. Just wait till those things come out. About the lies of the pharma industry for decades now. 
how many people have died because of the pharma industry. You just wait and ask yourself how you're going to react to that. It's not going to be easy. But then the big bad things that might be breaking out who knows where. Uh, hell is coming in many respects. Brace yourself for it. Try to stay calm in the interior. Talk to people about this. Don't try to avoid it. Inform yourself as much as possible. Try to see what's really going on. Unceasingly question. Don't naively accept. What I say, don't naively accept it. No matter what anybody says, don't naively accept it. Research it for yourself and think, think, think. That's what we do. We who are on the path of Socrates. I thank you for listening to this rather dire podcast episode. Didn't want to scare you too much, but brace yourself for what is coming, whether it be six months from now, a year from now, or tomorrow. It's coming. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, bye now.